chapter 16, the gospel according to John, chapter 16, and I want to say that this past week, Jessica and I had the privilege of going and seeing uh, Miss Scarlett Gooderham, newest little baby in our community, and uh, man, you just forget how small newborns are, you know, put, put her in my arm, and I mean, not even the length of my forearm here, you know, and, and so it's just a precious little little thing there, and so we're so, so thankful for health and for a new baby girl, and, uh, and are just thanking God for all of those good things. Well, as has already been made, today is Trinity Sunday, and they say, you know, amongst preachers that this is the day that preachers fear, because... It is, uh, it is difficult to talk about God as triune. It's not something easy to do. It's something that the scripture teaches us to do, but it's not easy. And there are many pitfalls that no one wants to step into. Uh, and the church has given us guardrails, if you will, and helped us along the way. But this is a day that, uh, for many, it's trepidation. That's why I want to begin with a test. <laughs> Um, you like tests? No? You say, man, it's summer, you know? Like, well, some of you like tests and some of you don't. I never like tests. So I'm going to make this one easy, all right? This one has one question, and it's kind of a true or false statement that's answered by yes or no. All right? You ready for it? Here it is. Is your understanding of God true or is it false? Yes or no? And so, pack that in. It's a rhetorical question for now. What I want to do is kind of give us a study guide. Is that okay? <laughs> I uh, provide study guides for my students in, in our class, which I always found to be helpful. And so, I'm going to provide a study guide before you go off and haul off and answer that question. You might think you'd say yes, and that's. I hope so. I hope it's true that you you do know the true and living God and that you're theology of God is correct. But before we do, I want to I kind of jump into this passage and listen to Jesus' words concerning this question. So let's just pause right now and pray to God. Doesn't he say if we have questions to ask? So let's just ask right now. Lord, here's the prayer I want all of us to pray. Is Lord, show us who you are. We want to see you. Okay, something of that sort, all right? So go ahead, bow your heads, let's pray, whisper that, speak it in your heart to God right now. Lord Jesus, show us who you are today. May we experience you in all of your glory and all of your power and beauty. We pray in your name, amen. Okay, if you're John chapter 16... We're going to start with verse 12 and just simply read to 15. Notice these words and stand with me as this is the word of God. I'm reading from the RSV, so it'll be slightly different than your pew Bibles. Jesus said to the disciples, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. 
He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. Oh, Lord, do just that. We pray in your name. You can be seated. Is your understanding of God true or is it false? This is the fundamental question of all people. Is who is God? Who is God? And of course, all of us are going to bump into this question one way or the other at some point in our life. And really, sooner rather than later. And of course... Even teaching religion, this is the question to be asked is, who is God? What is God like? And so, is your understanding of God true or is it false? And how do we know that? And how can we be sure of who it is that we gather even here today and worship? Well, hopefully we can get to all of this. Of course, this is, uh, this is uh, probably the most daunting task. You know, I, uh, I often relate it to my wife. <laughs> and if you were to ask me about a politician, oh, buddy, I could, I could rat off some things maybe. Say, oh, yeah, they're this, they believe that. As if I know them personally. I don't know them, right? I don't know them. You do that with people you don't know? You act like you do know them, right? We make these large, grandiose statements about them, you know? Oh, yeah, they believe that. They're just this or that. But it's the people that we do know the ones that we are close to that actually are difficult to describe. Anybody with me on this? In other words, you say, well, who is Jessica? I, I kind of stymie for a minute. It, it's, she's so much to me, and I know her so well that to say a few words about her does not capture who she really is, does it? It's like, yeah, she's loving. But I'm thinking, okay, well, that's, that's too broad, right? Because her love is not like the love of others that I know in my life. Her love for me is self-sacrificing. I mean, to an unbelievable extent. After 18 years, uh, she still likes me, you know? Some of you, after 18 seconds, don't really care for me, you know? Especially much less 18 minutes to 18 hours, you know? Just take a trip with me sometime. I promise I'm, I'm not as cool as I am up here, you know? <laughs> See, the ones who are laughing are like, yep, I remember that trip, <laughs> you know? She is more than just loving. She's very compassionate. You know, people, ever since we, we started the church, people... People call Jessica or text her to let them know certain things going on in their life because they believe she cares. Because guess what? She really does care. She truly does. People tell her all kinds of stuff, even, even in her work now with this, with this new job that she has and all, is people just spill the beans with her. I came in her office just the other day. Dude's in there crying, you know, telling her these stories. I'm like, is this a counseling session? Forgive me, am I, am I in the wrong place? Did you start a different business? People just are, they know that she cares. 
You know, she's, so she's compassionate. But that's not it either. I mean, there, there's so much more to this wonderful woman, Jessica, that I know so well, you know. So, so part of me on, on like Trinity Sunday, I know so much about God and I've experienced him in so many different ways that I almost get up here and I don't know what to say to you. It's so daunting of a task to try to get you to understand just how beautiful God really is. You know, a uh, guy came to a professor and he said, he said, I don't believe in God. <clears throat> said, okay. Professor asked, well, what God do you not believe in? Well, I don't believe in that God that, you know, is so angry that he sends people to hell. And that God that just sits up there and rules over all things. I don't believe in that God. And the professor said, well, I don't either, actually. So the God that you're not believing in, I don't believe in that one either. And you know, many of us and many in our city and in our family do not know God. They've got the wrong God in their head. They've made an idol of God. For the Old Testament, if it teaches us anything, it teaches us that we tend toward idolatry, which is making an image of God. No, 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 no. <laughs> See, you got it all wrong. All the other religions of the world, except for the monotheistic ones, they all make images of God. They carve them out. They chisel them away to look like what they think God is like. And you know what God is like? 100% of the time in myth and in polytheism looks a lot like us. A whole lot like us. Just on a grander scale, you know. Because they chiseled that out in an idolatrous way in their head. When I was in India, filled with idols all around me on every street corner, in every store, I actually saw where they were making an idol. Now, they cover it up with thatch so you can't actually see them doing it because it's very inappropriate to look upon an idol being made because they don't, they don't act like that exists. But I saw it being made, and I thought to myself, we don't serve a God that we made. This is not a circular argument where, where we're just making ourselves feel better by believing that someone cares somewhere else. No, 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 no. Dear friends, brothers and sisters in the faith, as we just sang out of our mouth, we serve a God who has not left us in the unknown about him. Instead, he has made himself known, and he's even gone further than that, and joined us in our suffering. I was, uh, a few years back, I was doing the Salvation Army canteen truck, and I was uh, serving the meals, you know, and uh, this, this guy wheels up in a wheelchair, and he starts berating us, and starts getting angry about God, and saying all kind of just blasphemous stuff about God, and I'm, I'm listening to, and he's just, your God doesn't care, da, da, da. and yet he's receiving a meal from us in God's name. 
Okay, think about that for just a minute. He's breathing air that guess who provided? Now I get it, he's in a wheelchair. He suffered in his life. And that's why I came out of the truck and I confronted him face to face and I said, sir, listen, the God you're talking about doesn't exist. You need to put that out of your head because we serve a God. We're here in Jesus' name. Do you know what Jesus did? He hung on a cross naked and ashamed and beaten almost to death for you and for me. That's the kind of God that we represent here as we present to you food and drink. That's the kind of God who comes after us, not us trying to come after him or trying to invent him, or trying to think, what is he like? Hmm, let me make a God in my image. No, no, no. Brothers and sisters, we can know who God is. And our God is a God that is not just above us, or even with us, but can be in us. <laughs> and that's next level. He knows what it's like to suffer. Now, if you know just definitionally, theologically, okay? Can we just do this real quick? Let's not complain that we're going into the deep weeds today, okay? We're, not, we're going to the deep end of the pool. I've already warned you there's some flotation devices around, but we're going to go to the deep end, all right? And so let's, let's, let's put it aside that we can just come in here and have a fifth grade discussion about God because guess what? God goes all the way up to the top of the charts of education because he invented it, all right? So when we get to God, we have to think, man, this is going to be bigger than us. This is why St. Augustine famously said, you know, to understand the Trinity, you lose your mind, right? But to deny the Trinity, you lose your soul. Because if you have been worshiping another God, that's what we call idolatry. And trust me, there are millions of other gods vying for our worship around us. Angry gods. Or so loving of a god that there are no standards. Yeah, just do whatever you want. Or a grandfather god who can't really see what we're doing. He's old, and he's just in the sky, the man up there. Listen, I hope your theology goes well beyond just thinking the man upstairs. This may be a poetic way of speaking about it, but it is not a biblical way of speaking about it. No, we serve a God who is three persons, one God, one God in three persons, no, that's, that's your little study guide formula, okay? That's the formula that the church has given to us because when Jesus came, what did he say? He said, I came from the Father. He didn't just come from the sky. He came from the Father, eternally begotten of the Father. This is the language, isn't it, that we're given to you? And, and, and guess who knows how best to talk about God? Anybody? Anybody? God, right? <laughs> I hope you didn't say me. Not me. No. Not any one theologian in all of human history. But rather, God has given us the language to talk about him. It's why we use the male pronoun, him. It's the way he did it. It's why we talk about father and not mother. 
It's why we say eternally begotten son and not sister. It's why we say Holy Spirit or Spirit of God or Spirit of Christ. (laughs) All right? God tells us how to speak about him rightly. And we must obey. And when we don't, it's disobedience. It's unbelief. And there may be some of you, again, you know, we haven't taken the test just yet. Okay, I told you what was on the test. Um, I haven't taken it yet. Some of you may, at the end of this, need to say, Lord, I, I thought I knew you, but wow, wow. Just like some of you think you know Jessica, but you don't know her like I do. But you can know her love. But you got to get close to her, you know? You have to spend time with her. Isn't this what the Bible teaches us about God? We have to spend time with Him. We can't just think we know. You can't rely on what I say today, friend. No, no, no. Go see for yourself. I actually tell my students today, you know, my wife is wonderful. And, and I, tell, I tell them about them because I, I use this as an illustration. And I tell them all about her, these things. I say, but at the end of the day, here you are yawning because you don't know her. But to be in the presence of her. It begins to make sense, doesn't it? It's like, wow, okay, yeah. Man, to experience. Listen, we cannot stop short in just knowing about God. We must know him personally. From the inside out, which is exactly the way Jesus speaks here about how it is that we know God is by his Holy Spirit in us. It's from the inside out. That we know. Only the spirit of truth, notice, can point us correctly to who it is that God is. And this is why, you know, end of the day here, I look around the room and I see a bunch of theologians. Every single one of you. You have thoughts about God. And in fact, everybody you meet out in the world has thoughts about God, and that makes you a theologian. Atheists, they're theologizing. Agnostics, they're theologizing. Pantheists, polytheists, even monotheists, they're all theologizing. What really matters is that we're good theologians. All of us have thoughts about God, but are they correct? Or have we let the world slip in? Have we let our own thinking, have we let our own experiences slip in? Is our understanding of God true or is it false? Christianity, because of the Bible, declares that God is a holy trinity. Which is again to say, God is one and yet three. Three persons in one God. That again is the formula that we go off of. And it's still a mystery. And yet, God has given us two books, if you will, to help us understand this great mystery. The first book that he gives us is provided to everyone. And it is the book... Well, I like to call it a picture book. It's the book of creation. In creation, 
We can know certain things about God. And in fact, there, it, it's, it's fascinating to sort of look around our world and see where there are traces of the Holy Trinity. Which is again to say traces of God in this three personal union. Can you think of any? Think real quick, and then I'm going to give two. All right. You got one? No? Maybe? We'll talk about it later if you have one. Because I might say, oh, yeah. That's it. I'm just kidding. Think about one, two, and three-dimensional shapes. Now, look, I'm no mathematician, so I start pouring sweat soon, because I know some of you are, right? And you're really good at, you know, the highest math I took was geometry. And, uh, and that was it. Never got to Algebra 2 and all that. So I'm sure I'm going to be wrong about some things. But I know it's a line on a page that's one-dimensional, right? You make a square that's two-dimensional. And then three-dimensional goes into that other form, right? Or the, the more simplistic way to put it for me is video games. Do you remember Super Mario Brothers? That was, that was, that was two-dimensional. You remember that? You know, dun 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 Nobody? It's a little dated, I get it, but listen, Super Mario Brothers is a pretty universal video game. Do you remember when N64 came out? Ooh, nobody? You remember? I forget the name of the game, but it was still Super Mario Brothers, and all of a sudden it was an open world because it was a three-dimensional world, right? Even in our world, this third dimension, which is actually how we see perspectively in here, right? Because we have two eyeballs. We can see three-dimensionally. Um, Wow, that's, again, a trace of the Holy Trinity around us. There's also another one. This is one I really like, are atoms. You know what an atom is, right? What's it made of? Proton, neutron, electron, right? And yet it's one thing, yet three, in some kind of mysterious way of... We still don't know what holds it together. Maybe God... The building block of all of life has to be God at the center. Holding the whole world together, what Paul would say, <laughs> all things consist in him. The atom. Which is probably why when you split an atom, it's an atomic bomb, right? From what I understand, again, I'm no scientist. Which is actually why Oppenheimer, or who I looked it up this morning to see the dude's name... I think that was his name, when he conducted the test in 1946 or whatever it was of the first atom bomb in the New Mexico desert, the only one ever detonated on American soil, it was called the Trinity Test because he'd been reading John Donne, <laughs> interestingly. The Trinity Test, the Trinity Test, right, because when you divide the persons, you get an explosion. That's the way I see it in my head. It's the wrong God. If God is a singularity, a monad, like Allah is, because in Islam, to associate Allah with anything, particularly a son or spirit, is absolute blasphemy. But not for us Christians. No, no, it is the essential, the radical doctrine that, it, that we believe. And even though it is difficult to believe, to split it is to explode the Christian faith, at the most fundamental level. You know, that term radical, the root of it is, is actually root. It comes from a Latin word that means root. So when you're radical, it means it goes all the way down to the roots, which means this doctrine of the Holy Trinity ought to be radical in the sense that it is the very base of our belief about God. Now, why is that? 
You say, Pastor, you're just trying to be all like theological today, man. And, and, and what? No, no, no. I'm trying to listen to Jesus' words about himself. I came from the Father. I'm going to the Father. I'm doing the Father's will. I glorify. I hear what the Father's, right? You, you know all this language in John and the rest of the Gospels and even once you get over to Paul. But also all throughout the Old Testament. We see already in verse 2 of the Bible. The Spirit of God, what? Hovering over the deep. Do you know who Proverbs is talking about there? Wisdom. You know who the wisdom of God is? The Spirit. So who was in the beginning helping create? The Spirit. And all things were created through Christ also. And by Him. And for Him. That's everything. That means your hair (laughs) is created for Christ. Our sexuality created for Christ. It's created through him and by him and for him. And all things in him hold together. Which when you pull that pen of Christ out, you have an explosion. And we have an explosion in our culture, don't we? An absolute disaster of an explosion. Things being rearranged, reassigned. But only Christ is the center. Only he is the center. Why? Because the Father says he is. That's why. And the Holy Spirit also. What does he come to do? He is sent by the Father and the Son to indwell us and apply the work of Christ to our hearts. And he, Jesus says right here, will guide us into all truth. Particularly the truth about God. You see, we do not take an agnostic position on God. That we cannot know him. We don't take a a deistic position either. Which is, you know, deistic position is to say there is a God and he created the world morally. He ordered it, but he no longer deals with it at all. So that means you have no incarnation no salvation in Jesus, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> All that is every other alternative but Trinitarian faith is false. Even a strict monotheism without Trinitarianism is false. And so Judaism falls short. There's only three monotheistic faiths, right? Judaism falls short. Islam goes too far. Only Christianity, and only because of what we know about Jesus, that is the only truth of our world that holds everything together. So God gives us this, this big picture book all around us. I mean, I mean, one more, if you will, one, one more from the picture book of creation. You got here by this one, male and female, two become one flesh, in sexual union, and what happens? A baby. Another. This is God's design. It's his picture book. You yourself owe your very life to that kind of union. So Father loves the Son, and the love between the Father and the Son is so personal. He is a person. The Spirit is not an it. The Spirit is person. 
This is why we, we, when we say the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed or you're going further through the Athanasian Creed, the creeds are all designed in one way and outlined by Father, Son, and Spirit. And Spirit is the Lord and giver of life, equal and co-equal with the Father and the Son. Which is why you can pray to the Holy Spirit. We often begin our prayers either by our Father, which Jesus taught us to do, or we can say Jesus, or we can say Holy Spirit. It's okay to pray the Holy Spirit. He is God and Lord. But oftentimes, he's overlooked because he's the one prompting us to pray. He's the one in the pew with you, giving you the elbow in your heart to say, you know that what he's saying is right. And you have a wrong conception of God. And you've fallen way too short. And your box is way too small. And I want to smash it today. I want to smash it and give you a bigger one. And keep doing that over and over again. Because again, I go back to this lady over here. Which again is a, is a picture <laughs> of how this works. <clears throat> when I met Jessica and got to know her, I thought I really knew her. You know? I mean, I think I know a lot of things, by the way. <laughs> Just generally. So, there's that. <laughs> but I really thought I knew her, you know? And, and so here we are, young and... And, 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 you know, I mean, we dated for like three months and then four months and then got engaged, you know. So it's like I put a ring on it quick because it felt like, hey, you know. And, and I thought I knew what I was doing, you know. And I thought I, I thought I knew what marriage was. And I thought I knew what love was. But after 18 years, I still don't fully. And watching her love me over these years through mountaintop experiences where we, we did great things. We graduated from seminary. We started a church. People actually started coming, you know? It's like, wow, we celebrate these little things. After much heartbreak and after me almost dying inside and her standing over my body with a shotgun, so to speak, spiritually speaking, saying, come and get him, try, because I'm going to be here. And she literally held my hand, drugged me through that time, walked with me. I had no idea the depth of her love. I had no idea what we had. And you know what? Our relationship with God should be like that. When we go through difficult times, we should know his love at the deepest levels. And I just want to tell you, no matter if you're flying high or you're way down in the dumps, he wants to meet you there and show you who he is. And, and we do it, people do it all the time. As soon as something bad happens, I don't know why God is doing with this to me. What a small box. What a small box. What a limited perspective. No. No. He's already shown us that he'll go all the way down to reach us. All the way down. I mean to the place of the dead. A place that we've not even gone just yet. He went all the way down for us. And then he went all the way back up to his father's right hand. Where he now is seated in glory with the wounds to prove his love for us. Which is why Isaiah can say... 
my name is written on his hands. He still has the scars that he bears from what we did to him and what my sin did to him. No, if there's suffering, dear friend, and there is in the world, it is a direct result of sin and our disobedience. Not directly related, but indirectly related to our suffering. And the good news is, he has the victory. He has the key because he is the key. He is the key. He is the key. And to know Jesus means that he gives us his spirit. And to know Jesus, just like he told his disciples last week, you see me, who do you see? You see the Father. In other words, if you've struggled with an angry God in your life, and you've equated some image of a father onto God, that's wrong. No, no, no. The father is the archetype. He's the one who defines what it means to be a good father. We fathers in this room do not. We follow in that example. And one cannot even say that someone is a bad father, except that there is a good father somewhere that defines what it means to be bad. Which means we have a good father. We have a good father. One that will not abandon us. One that will never fail us. One that sends us a brother. Can you imagine? A sibling to go through this life with. One who's already lived it through. In the power of the same spirit that came upon Christ at his baptism. And brothers and sisters, if you're baptized, you were baptized, if it was a Christian baptism, in the name of who? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All working for your salvation. It is the beginning of our faith. It is the end of our faith. Because the doctrine of the Holy Trinity is not just a doctrine. It is who God is. And you might say today, man, you know, listen, I'm, I'm no good theologian. I just give up. D- don't give up. Don't give up. That'd be like me saying, you know what, Jessica, I, I just, I don't understand you, which I really don't still, you know. You can ask her. <laughs> I often misunderstand things. No, you don't give up. You just keep trying, right? I used to have a, my first car was a standard. Do you know what that is? (laughs) Nobody even knows what that is anymore. Like, all the kids have no clue what a standard is. You know, it's one where you actually shift the gears yourself with a clutch, you know? And C.S. Lewis gives this illustration that I've always hung on to is, is you're not going to get it right every time. You're not. Probably more times than not, you're going to get it wrong where people's head's doing this number in your car, you know? Um, I always liked a smooth ride, you know? And so I tried my best every time. Now I could have just said, you know what? I'm never going to get this. Right? No, no, no. That's, that's no, 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 no. You, you try anyway. And guess what? After years and years of doing, you actually find that you're way better than when you began. We must begin to be good Christian theologians. Because every one of us is sharing 
the faith, you say, well, I'm not, I haven't spoken. You don't always have to speak to share the faith. It's your life that's oftentimes saying way more about what you believe. And if it's a radical belief all the way down to the root, then that means it gets in our trunk and it goes out to our branches and goes out into the fruit that we produce in the world. And if we're serving a God who himself is community, then guess what kind of house we'll have? One that's inviting. I don't mean just physically. I mean the kind of house that we have right here in this body. Not one that's pushing people away or self-serving, but concerned with the other. Not self-interested. Because this is who God is. The Father begets the Son, and the Spirit proceeds from both the Father and the Son. And there is this holy dance of self-giving love. This is what he invites us into. This existed because God existed before creation was ever even thought about. And this is the relationship. This is the God, the triune God, who would invite us into the very heart of God. That's what this is all about. We try to be good theologians because we want to talk accurately about the one that we love. That's why. Do you love God today? Do you know him? If you don't know him, brothers and sisters, today the spirit is making himself available to us to know God. Let me give you three quick things and we'll run. Even though, like Jesus, I have many more things to say to you, right? <laughs> the first way to be a good theologian is to hold tight to the scriptures. This is our foundation. Not our thoughts, not the consensus, not the cultural thoughts, but this word here we hold tightly. When we were in New York, and this has happened to me now three different times that I've been right there in Manhattan and Times Square, and it's all these screens, right? It's all these built, I mean, just, it's unbelievable human ingenuity. You're just standing there in awe of all these people, all these weird people too, by the way. I hate to say it, just it truly, I, like, you don't even want to know what happened to us this last time. Don't ask either. <laughs> um, here we are in the midst of all this stuff. And, and I noticed my first time going there, there's this statue. Let me get it right. Of a man, and he's, he's gripping tightly a book. And he's just standing, he's literally in the middle of Times Square. There's this boring statue, <laughs> blandly colored with all these screens around it. I mean, you've, you've seen pictures, right? And he's tightly gripping the word in a, in a military outfit. And it's Father Duffy, and it's called Duffy's Square. You can look it up. And he's holding tightly, not just any book, <laughs> but the foundation of our faith, the Bible, the Word of God, which is the Spirit's book. I told you, right? God gives us two books. Yeah? The picture book of creation, which is, you know, just like a picture book. You can't be super clear with a picture book. You can be general, but you can't be clear. This is a clear revelation. 
We don't go out to the mountains or the trees to learn who God is. You want to know who God is, get in this book and let it get in you. And then hold tightly to what it says. And here he is standing, Father Duffy, in the middle of all. And I just, every time, it, I just stand there in awe because that's what we're called to do as Christians. In the midst of all the screens around us, in our pockets, at home, everywhere else, in all the voices that are around us, and all the influences that are around us, in the, in the height of human ingenuity, we are to hold to this old, old book that's new every morning. The truth is for you. It is for me. And we hold tightly to it. That's the first way to be a good theologian. you got to be biblical. <laughs> the second way is through prayer. You must pray in the Spirit, which, guess what the Spirit is concerned with? He's concerned with your toe, and he's concerned with Grandma's illness and this and that. We're not making light of that. He does care about those things. But you know what he cares about most? Lost souls. Which is why we still have our net here, because we're praying that God would catch through our weak, feeble efforts here at Harvest Point 153 people over the next five years in his network of grace. And guess how big his net is? It's not a little thing like that. His network is as big as the world. He can reach anybody, anywhere, and we need to pray he does and pray he does through us. He won't reach the world without us. He's told us. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. We must be praying in the spirit, which is led by the spirit. And let me tell you, he'll teach us what the heart of God is like. Are your prayers, prayers in the spirit, what God really cares about? If not, what better time than start shifting the gears, right? The right way. And then finally... There's no way we can be a good theologian. There's no way we can answer this question that we've posed without the Holy Spirit, period, period. This is not something we can mentally do on our own. We must have God's Spirit in us. Do you have the Spirit of God? If not today, you can repent of your unbelief and receive God's Holy Spirit Today, you can know and answer this question truly that you believe in the true and only one and living God. The spirit of truth is available to us today. Ask in Jesus' name because this is the Father's greatest gift to us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.